Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Fiction, science fiction, horror, fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 1050 AM Palm Springs. All right, you've made it back into the House of Mystery. And uh, now joining us, as uh, we were talking about before, is the uh, author of the uh, new book, The Best New True Crime Stories, Serial Killers, Mitzi Soretto. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, I'm actually the editor, but I'm also one of the authors in the book. So it, it's my baby, but I didn't write the whole thing. It's your baby. Um, so tell, <laughs> tell us about this. So uh, you're the editor, so you're, you basically have uh, put together all the stories. How did you get on to doing this book, and what made you do this book? Well, um, you know, I've edited a lot of anthologies over the year and uh, over the years in various genres, and uh, I've done crime before, but I've done it in a fictional capacity. And uh, I was just actually brainstorming uh, on the phone with um, a publisher who I actually used to work with uh, at another publishing house, and uh, we were just talking about true crime, and uh, you know, I mean, obviously it's, it's hot, um, which could be good and bad because then, you know, when everything, you know, people tend to turn out a lot of content that may not be that high level. But, uh, you know, I said, yeah, I'm certainly, I'd be up for, you know, giving it a go and uh, doing some true crime. And that's really how it came about. Hmm. So how did you choose who you were going to put in the book? Like who was going to contribute to the book? Is there a method to this? Uh, a method to my madness, you mean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I, I disseminate my my calls for submissions uh, 
quite widely. You know, I, I reach out all over the place uh, to organizations, writers, uh, etc. And for this book, I sort of did it uh, a half and half. Uh, I contacted some some writers specifically uh, who uh, I knew or knew of or have worked with in the past, and then I left the rest uh, to chance. And uh, it just really came together well. I mean, I'm I'm just so pleased with with the finished product. Uh, I'm so pleased with the stories uh, and the quality of the book. And uh, you know that that's actually the first time I've reached out to so many people personally to be in the book. You know, normally uh, I just you know maybe I might ask one person or two at the most. But uh, you know this. As I said, this was my debut true crime book, and I, I kind of wanted to uh, have a little safety net, as it were. Yeah. And here I thought I was special. No, I, well, oh, I'm, well, you were. I did. You are special. I was going to say you've got some good names: Lee Mahler, Mahler, and some of these names, and all of a sudden you got Mike Brown. Like Mike, yeah, God, who's that? Had to fill some. Stuff. Yeah, where do you come from? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, well, needed, you, you, <laughs> you needed some filler. That. It must be those bullet holes in my window. That's that's what it was. Why I had to put Mike in the book. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, it wasn't me. Yeah. Sorry, no. <laughs> no, it was just Scott. Um, now, now, was there? Were you looking for specific um, topics, like um, certain serial killers that you wanted to talk about, like you say Ted Bundy and and Dahmer and stuff like that? Did you have a list of these killers and and then looked for people that would contribute? on those killers or was it just you were going to the contributor and then taking what they would want to write? Uh, it was the latter. Um, I did not have specific uh, people in mind other than the one that I chose to write for my own story. Um, I didn't really want Bundy and Dahmer and they're not in the book. I, I do reference them in the introduction but I mean, I think you know, there's just so much on Bundy already that we're we're Bundied out. Uh, and um, I was interested in getting some cases that maybe are not so known to people. And uh, and as I usually do with my books, I like a really international group of people and an international uh, bunch of content. That's what my my sole purpose was, and uh, it really worked out because there's some. You know, we've we've hit pretty much every corner of the globe with the subjects in this book, and writers as well from every corner of the globe. So, what was what was the story that you wrote about? Like, what was it that you contributed? Um, I wrote a, a piece called "The Monster of Kichibo, and it's about a uh, Macedonian serial killer, and uh, Vlado Tineski, and uh, he was a journalist. And he started to uh, write about a serial killer in his uh, in his small city that he lived in, and uh, you know it was it was there was a modus operandi. It was it was all much older women. Uh, they were all like cleaning women, uh, motherly types, uh, not particularly educated, and they all seemed to live in the same neighborhood where Vlado Tineski lived. And he actually knew these people himself, and. Uh, you know, he sort of became the main guy reporting about this uh, serial killer case. But, you know, as I, as I go through this story and provide information and evidence from all corners, um, you know, it's, it's never really been confirmed that he was the killer. And since he's dead, obviously, it's sort of a done deal as far as uh, really knowing for sure. I mean, it's assumed he was, 
but I do leave that question open. Yeah, it's got to be tough when you do like uh, 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 something like that, a case something like that. Um, how long does it take you to do a, uh, a story like that? You know, I'll tell you, uh, nonfiction is, is hard work. I mean, writing is hard work, but nonfiction I find particularly um, <laughs> hair raising because it's just there's just so much you know you the research um the cross-checking of research i mean you could find information but you need to make sure that information is correct so you know there's a lot of time spent looking up different things and and making sure what you have is is accurate um i worked uh quite a bit on my story uh you know i the, the book itself was quite time-consuming, but I had a specific deadline, so I, I worked long hours to get it done, and I worked a lot of hours on my story. Um, I do actually have an undergraduate degree in journalism, so uh, this kind of really did work for me. I, I kind of brought that back into play again, working in true crime. Hmm. Yeah, does that concern you now because of um, the way the Internet has really blown up? that um, there's a lot of things out there and stories that aren't necessarily true and it's harder to get good evidence, especially if you don't, you know, search it out yourself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, even on Tineski, there was just things that, uh, yeah, I definitely was checking into that. Uh, you know, every, everybody can have a blog and everybody can, you know, post stuff. And, uh, I mean, even you have that issue with Wikipedia. There, there's not necessarily, uh, fact-based everything on there either. Um, I remember in journalism school when they said, you know, to research pieces, they said, please don't cite Wikipedia. And even, you know, in just general university education, they say, you know, don't, don't use that as your sole source of, of research for a paper. So, you know, multiply that a hundred times or a thousand times by all the true crime, uh, bloggers and just people who are really interested in it putting information out and uh it's like the chinese whispers you know mm -hmm. yeah 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 we found that um actually and a lot of times we've come across some writers that way too that uh really base all their information off of that you know um yeah. off of the tv show you know <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, could get, you could get stuff from TV, but you, you, you can, there are some, you know, TV, but, you know, of, of course with TV there's so much dramatization and even something supposedly nonfiction has been heavily dramatized. Oh, totally, totally. I, I, even uh, even um, one of the books I wrote, um, I did a show on oxygen, and they changed a lot of it, and, and, and not necessarily for the better. Uh, it was It was more about what was... Going to keep people entertained, you know. Yeah. You know exactly. So, uh, exactly. So, so yeah, you can't. You, you, I always say you got to get two sources for everything. Um, to, mm, as many sources you can ring out, and can, I, I, I'm but, kind of OCD on that. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm working on something right now for my next book, and I mean, the amount of uh, sources that I have is taking up two pages of of you know word document to you know where i'm finding my information and checking things out it's it's crazy and of course if it's an obscure case that makes it really tough yeah i was going to say like on something where where people are already passed how do you determine like when you get different sources um because you can have one one person that's um thought of as a, a criminal and you can talk to 10 people about that person and get 
10 total different perspectives. So uh, when they're dead and you can't talk to them, how, how is it you put that, like, how do you decide which perspective you're going to take? Um, for me, I try to provide a really well-rounded perspective and, and perspective from several different people or sources because, um, you know, I don't think it's really fair just to use one and then paint someone in a certain light when there could be other things. Um, I mean, obviously with serial killers, I'm not saying these are wonderful guys and, and ladies in here, but, um, you know, there, there's different things going on, and um, I try to provide that information so, so there's some understanding. Of, of you know who these people are, perhaps what made them do this, uh, what other what other circumstances were going on in their lives, um, and you know repercussions, cultural, uh, the effect on culture and society by by their acts, that sort of thing. So something really well rounded. And I think you know in journalism school that's what I was taught to do, and that's really how I'm approaching this. Yeah, yeah, I agree totally. I'm from that background myself. I um, so. Who, who are some of your favorite writers or, or people that have influenced you? Of course, there's me. I know I'm probably your most favorite, but besides, <laughs> help, <laughs> help. <laughs> besides me, um, uh, no. What, who, what, a, what a sledgehammer hint that was. <laughs> no, who who would really um, influence you, like um, as a crime writer? You know, it's really hard to say because um, I was not um, a huge reader of true crime. But but the odd thing was is um, I, I actually recently wrote an essay called "Is True Crime Bad for You?" Um, that is over at the Strand Magazine, and um, I hadn't really thought that much about true crime or was thought I was particularly uh, interested in true crime. And then it occurred to me that. I'd actually been consuming true crime from an early age, uh, you know, watching a lot of those uh, uh, news magazine shows on TV, uh, docudramas, that sort of thing. And, you know, they're primarily true crime stories. So uh, I think that's something that uh, was sitting on my, my shoulder all these years, and I didn't even realize it until recently. Hmm. So um, no, nothing really your favorite... Well, actually, I mean, um, the, the, uh, of course, uh, you know, one of, one of the books I read was Anne Rule's book on Bundy because, I mean, that's just uh, such an amazing book. The fact that she's tasked to write this book about a serial killer, not even realizing that the guy sitting in the office with her is the person who everyone's looking for. So, I mean, that is totally, um, what are the odds of that? Uh, great odds. <laughs> now, <laughs> well, maybe in your life. <laughs> yeah, now, nowadays, nowadays. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. Well, what's your opinion on that then? Like when you say, um, is true crime good for you, do, do you think it has a good influence on us as a society? Um, like, um, well, it, I mean, I... I Okay, go ahead. I was going to say, ahead. put this in context, and being where you where you live, I know you're in Canada and the U.S. probably a fair bit. There's two different angles there because in the U.S. you've got uh, wide open, everyone's uh, true crime. You know, there's so many shows, there's there's so much on the news, uh, Nancy Grace sort of things going on, and in Canada it's a lot more reserved. You don't hear near as much. Um, opinion about the crimes as you do in the U.S. So 
you know, so from the two different angles, do you, do you think it's good being so open as the U.S.? Um, you know, the the one issue with the U.S. is there's always that this trying to put an entertainment spin on it is a bit disturbing. Um, I, I think, um, you know, for what I try to do is uh, be more informational, uh, giving people some perspective and some knowledge about what's behind all of this. And I think the, the analysis is something that we need to see more of. Um, sensationalism I don't think is really suitable, and some true crime is sensationalist, and that's something I definitely ran a mile from and did not want to have in my book. But, um, you know, the U.S. is the U.S., and everything's always inflated 10 million times, and that's just the way it's been, and I doubt that's going to change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I try to do the same thing on my podcast. We are focused on the victim and the people around the crime to try and determine, you know, what made this person tick, what happened afterward, how do people feel about these things. Uh, those are things that kind of get lost in the quote-unquote murder porn world oh (laughs) actually that's exactly it murder porn i mean that is that is something that um that i don't i don't really think that's good and and in my piece that i wrote i had kind of referenced that i mean but but you know true crime is is educational you know there's it's a learning experience um one of the reasons um i mentioned that women are big consumers of true crime and a lot of them uh, actually find this informative because it's sort of um, uh, like a bit of a, a warning story, things that maybe they should be aware of, look out for. So it's, it's educational in that regard as well. And let's face it, people are fascinated by this content. I mean, this is the darkest part of, of people's lives, especially serial killers. This is pretty dark stuff. And most of us can't really even conceive of this. So, of course, there's a fascination to try to understand what makes these people tick. I, I, just, I just wonder, but um, when, when, when a person gets into a certain industry, like a person becomes a policeman or a person becomes loss prevention in a store, and they, they start doing something in a, for a number of years, um, they start to look at all people as what they're doing wrong. They all, they're, they're looking for something does does that make sense like and so if if you're totally obsessed in true crime are you are you not going to start looking at your neighbors like oh i wonder if you know <laughs> you know she's missing i haven't seen her for two days did he kill her you know and d- does it start to make us a little bit more paranoid you know it could but then on the other hand maybe that person who hasn't been seen in a couple of days there's a reason why they haven't been seen and maybe people do need to kind of be aware of what's going on around them so you know it's a double-edged sword really yeah so mike where is carol she's at work (laughs) (laughs) oh sure 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 so now and let's put it to to mike there for a sec i know you're kind of on the the co-host seat but what story did you choose and why 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 did you choose that story to be put into the book? I cho- chose the story of uh, Clifford Olson, our local Surrey-based serial killer here, and because it's local to me. And also, uh, when I was a young person, uh, a man tried to abduct me and uh, do bad 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Things to me, and it was exactly the time around... Uh, Clifford Olson's reign of terror so it's a really personal story to me and I have a lot of uh, emotional investment in it so uh, that's something that I've always wanted to write about I've I've done a couple of episodes on our show about it but uh, I was so happy when uh, Mitzi contacted me and I could finally get it out of me kind of thing <laughs> Yeah, and now you're doing and you're doing some more writing, Mike. So uh, this this question will be for both of you. So, um, is it important to put your emotional tie to the story when you write it, or how is, how I should say it? Is it important to have that in the story? Not. It depends on the story, really. If if I really do have a connection to it, I'm going to mention it. Uh, but if I don't feel, um, I mean, I'm always going to write it from a human perspective. I'm I'm going to try and figure out how you know what what the heck <laughs> made this person want to do these kind of things, and um, what was the victim feeling at the time. So there's always that human aspect, but not necessarily about me at all. And what about you, Mitzi? 
Um, well, you know, fortunately, I, I don't have an experience like that in my life, but uh, there are stories in the uh, in the Best New True Crime Story serial killers book that are first person. Um, I have a piece written by Danuta Cott, who uh, is a crime writer in the UK, and she tells a story about how living in Sheffield, um, uh, she uh, it was at the time of the Yorkshire River, Peter Sutcliffe, and she has a very creepy uh, anecdote about uh, how she was followed on her way home one one evening, and uh, it, it's very likely that the person who who was um, following her was Peter Sutcliffe, and she managed to, uh, you know, get away from him. But then the killings started to happen after that. So you know, there there are first person accounts in here. Um, there's another piece by um, a Native American writer, uh, Marcy Rendon, who uh, lived in uh, Minneapolis in the mid-'80s, and there was a serial killer targeting Native women in her community. And she knew people who's, uh, you know, she knew some of the victims and spoke to people who were there at the time. So uh, there are, obviously, like I said, there's representations of people whose lives were affected personally by these killers, not just people who are writing about them, you know, from the safety of, you know, say myself. Yeah. Are you, are you happy with what, how it came out, the whole overall project? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty thrilled with it. I mean, I, you know, I, I always want to have my books be as good as they can possibly be, but, um, this, this exceeded my expectations. And what, what I, what, what really, you know, makes me thrilled is the fact that this is my first true crime book and that it came out this well. And, and I got so many quality stories and, and, and stories that actually have something to say, you know, something that you're going to take away with you and, and make you think. And, and that's, that's what I wanted to do. And, and I think that I achieved that. And so far from the feedback I'm getting, <laughs> I seem to get people agreeing. And I'm not giving them money to agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. No, so do, do you plan on doing more then? Or are you going to keep keep this format up or are you going to jump into something different i'm actually working on a new book um the best new true crime stories small towns so it is another anthology yeah it's another anthology um like the serial killers one but this is going to be uh true crimes that have happened in small towns uh and small towns around the world not just you know what we think of as small towns such as you know, in, in North America, but um, it'll be international in scope. Um, and again, quality stories, uh, things that'll make you think, uh, things that you may, you know, cases you may be familiar with and some you may never have heard of. So uh, it'll be pretty much along the same lines. So if you like this, I think you'll like that. I can't wait to read that one. <laughs> Good. <laughs> now, do do sometimes do you get a story, and maybe you got one for this book? Um, Mine. Which, <laughs> <laughs> which no, not, not which to- totally shocked you. Like like it, it was totally by how bad it was. Mine. Yeah. No. No. To- <laughs> totally, as in the story itself, as in you get a story, and you just can't believe what happened in the story like you just sort of it stays with you um have you had one of those or do you get did you put one of those in the book um well you know there's several that are pretty out 
far out there. I mean, um, the Rat Man is is pretty far out there. It's it's about a, uh, a serial killer in in Japan uh, who is a, a pedophile and a cannibal and a necrophiliac, <laughs> and it's it's a pretty heinous. I mean, serial killers are not you know like I said people that are lovely people is a general rule. But this this character is is way out there on the spectrum of horrible. So, I mean, that that was quite a shocking one. And, of course, you know, that had to be dealt with carefully because, I mean, you know, especially you're dealing with um, children as the victims and, uh, you know, you, 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 writers have to sort of be aware of what they're writing and not sensationalize it. And uh, so, yeah, the Rat Man's definitely on the top of the list for that um, do you feel that there's a rehabilitation option for serial killers, or is it once you're a serial killer, always a serial killer? Well, you know, there's actually a story in the book that um, opens that question up. Um, uh, I'll, I'll give you my answer first, and then I'll just reference that story. But I just don't think there's rehabilitation. I think there's a, there's a line that someone crosses, and you just cannot come back from it. And that's not just for serial killers. You know, there's there's other things that that are in that category. But no, I I don't think you can rehabilitate a serial killer. Um, with regard to uh, the story that I mentioned, um, there's a piece in here called "The Quiet Man in the Overalls Struggled to Be Heard" by mm-hmm. Stephen Wade, who's a British writer, um, and it's about Dennis Nilsson, who was a serial killer. Um, in the London area, London, England, and uh, he mostly, he, he targeted men, um, he, he would, you know, they would come home with him or whatever, and uh, he, he kind of, there's, they, they nicknamed him that he kills for company, because he just wanted company, and if people just came over for sex, it's sort of sign their death warrant, but um, this piece, um, the writer was a uh, writer in prisons, and Nilsson was in his uh, writing class. And uh, he talks quite a bit about is prison does prison work and would it work for someone like Nilsson and how Nilsson had even written an autobiography and he wanted to see it published and all of this. Um, so I mean, there's quite a lot of interesting uh, commentary on that whole issue about uh, serial killers. Can they be? Is is prison going to work for them or are these people just basically um, wanting to? Uh, kind of be rock stars in a way, you know, like serial killers. And, and if they want to write about their crimes and write about their lives, isn't it just they want to see some sort of glorification of what they've done? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is this is why I won't cover the Luca Magnata case on my podcast, because he's a notorious narcissist who loves the fact uh, of his name in the media. So I just won't I won't give it to him at all. Yeah, well, narcissism is mentioned in quite a number of uh, uh, stories about regarding their, the specific serial killers that they are narcissists, and uh, and and you know, th- there's a piece about. Um, uh, let me see. Let me just look this up really quick. Uh, the Man in Black and the Silver Screen: The Life and Crimes of Peter Moore. Uh, Peter Moore was a serial killer in Wales. And um, there's mention in the story, uh, Mark Friars is the writer, um, there's mention about how in court, you know, Peter Moore was acting like some sort of film star, you know, coming in like, you know, hey, here I am, and, and even contacting victims' families and, and completely insane things like that. And it was just, uh, you know, like his little glory. I mean, you know, we've all seen all the footage from Bundy, 
and mm-hmm. and you know you you look at him uh, there in the courtroom and you know he's loving it he's loving it oh and every he moment his, yeah. his, his his groupies are there too these these insane women who seem to find something about him that you know I mean so yeah narcissism's a big part of it. Uh, almost like a, a cult figure in a way, uh, you know, uh, Charles Manson. Do you think that um, the death penalty uh, should be in or not? You know, I'm, I'm, my, I'm quite liberal, liberal in my views, but I think there are some things the death penalty, you know, I, I mean, why are we keeping these people around and feeding them and housing them and uh, give, giving them health care and dental care and TVs and gyms to work out in, I, you know, there's just some a line you cross, and I don't know why. Why keep them around? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I agree. And some of them seem to have so many liberties. You know, um, it, it, it's just crazy. Um, Tex Watson, you know, from the Manson family, has his own website, and and uh, it just, I, I just, it just kind of goes beyond what they should have. Yeah, Son of Sam is the same. Yeah. It just—it's ridiculous. Jody Arias tweeting people. <laughs> well, we got a lot of people what doing next? tweeting that they shouldn't be doing tweeting. So <laughs> I won't say anything well, else. We, but I don't no, know what we you're got talking about. You people are being yeah. mean. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> we got—we got one narcissist that's doing too much. <laughs> Take away that Twitter. Uh, so that's funny, but social media. Is that going to change the way our serial killers behave? Do you think in the future? Is this going to incorporate in the, in their behavior? Well, I mean, are they supposed to even have access to this stuff? I mean, I thought they're not supposed to be allowed to um, use social media or have Facebook pages or any of this kind of thing. Oh, in America, you can do anything in America. Yeah, that's it's true. Just, uh, that's true. Apparently, Clifford Olson, the guy I wrote about, had uh, a MySpace page that uh, people were keeping updated for him. Yeah, that was before oh, Facebook. Yeah. Uh, you know, some, yeah, people, some was... people need something productive to do, I think. That is not one of the things. No. <laughs> well, uh, you know, and sort of what I mean, too, like even the ones that are out that, that are not caught, like you had Luca Magnata we talked briefly about, as in he was really big on uh, creating several profile and Facebook fake accounts and uh, liking himself, you know. Um, so do you think it's going to incorporate in the way people actually behave as killers before they get caught? Do you know are they going to start using it? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. No. I mean, why not? Yeah. You know. I mean, that's yeah. just the, that's you know, with social media is here and it's not going to go away. So uh, it stands yeah. to reason. We've already seen people live streaming suicide. It's just a matter of time before. We have uh, a serial killer doing his thing, um, and also the the, uh, the guy in New Zealand. He live streamed his whole murder spree in the yes, uh, yes, he, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, that'll be a, 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 the next uh, book you can do is just start doing spree killers and mass shooters, and uh, there's just no end. No, there isn't. There isn't. I mean, the the, the book I'm currently working on does. Uh, it will have some of those cases in the, p- the piece that I'm writing. I'm not going to say what it is because I don't want to give it away. But it is a, uh, someone who is in that category. As somebody who comes from a small town, uh, uh, there was a murder in in my 
town back in Nova Scotia, uh, very not so recently, probably about 12 years ago now, where um, a mother murdered her daughter, her 12-year-old daughter, and uh, it just it ripped the town apart. You know, uh, watching all this happen, um, it's a very rare thing in such a small place for those things to happen. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to read your next offering for sure. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it will. I, <laughs> I agree. I agree. I mean, uh, I mean, that's the thing because you know, small towns you just don't think of necessarily um, as the places where all these things happen but it, there's a lot of things going on in small towns bad things i know yeah i was surprised did you have you seen that one on skidmore you know uh where they shot the guy in the truck yeah he was the bully you remember that that was on netflix mm-hmm. uh, since then there's been uh, several killings in the town oh wow and a yeah. similar way no, no different ways, and in fact, uh, we're going to have uh, Diane Fanning on next week because uh, there was one of the most crazy murders that happened in Skidmore, and there's been several since, and you're just going to um, freak out when you hear about what's been going on in that town. It's going to curl my hair. What, yeah, what? <laughs> I, think, I think Mike's heard everything by now. <laughs> just about. Yeah, just about. He's, uh, yeah, he's he's heard a lot. He sits here with me. Well, here we go. Well, well, this has certainly been interesting. Do you have a website or a place that uh, people can come and uh, and uh, contribute stories or say hi to you or uh, well, how do you offer? Yeah, yeah. Of course, I have uh, my website mitzisoretto dot com, uh, and uh, that I also am on Twitter. And I do not tweet superfluously either. Uh, and I have a Facebook page. So people can find me at those places and they could even message me at those places. And, uh, obviously I list my writer's calls for submission. I do have that at my website. So there's a tab with that. Um, I've got two weeks left for final submissions. If people are interested, they better find out now and start writing. <laughs> Oh, boy, get it in there now. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, I have picked some stories. There's still room, but, um, yeah, we're getting down to the wire. So. Wow. Well, there you go. Get on it, Mike. <laughs> I'm right. Yeah, I think Mike, 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 yeah, Mike's got some other top-secret project going on. Oh, right? well, there's nothing <laughs> top-secret about it. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, it is. It's true. It's top At secret. some point, we're going to do a book signing uh, here in locally as well. I hope so. If they get it rescheduled, we had, with this crazy weather, um, it was supposed to be this weekend, so that's been postponed. Um, there is going to be a book signing in Seattle on February 1st at um, Elliott Bay Book Company. Um, Mike, unfortunately, can't make that, but I will be there, and... Um, I'm not sure. I'm. There might be a contributor or two if they can manage to get in town. We'll see closer to that date, and hopefully the weather will be favorable. <laughs> I really wish I could go, yeah. but I've got. Uh, there's Fan Expo here, and we've been invited to do a live show there. So. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I'll forgive you this time, but don't <laughs> let it happen again. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's in demand. Oh. Yeah, well, hey, you know, you, you can't it. fight it. No, we gotta gotta get him an agent. This too shall pass. I'm sure. I'm just a fleeting thing. 
Your 15 <laughs> minutes is already yeah. down to 14 yeah. and a half. Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I fell asleep during mine, so. Well, uh, I really appreciate it. It's been in- entertaining, and we're, we're glad that uh, you came on the show. And, and, and the book will be on the website, so anybody that is listening can just do one click, pick up the book. And it's the best new true crime stories and uh, serial killers. Mitzi Soretto, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. The mission has been completed. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you. If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.